And the good news is that the gospel doesn't need change. We don't need the newest fad to build a church. We don't need some new modernistic thinking to have the message of God. Believers are included in the same covenant. We're members of the same church. We're washed in the same blood. We sing the same songs in heaven anyway, where it says, Thou art worthy, for thou hast redeemed us by thy blood. Abram rejoiced in Christ's day. So do we. Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ. So do we. Isaiah preached the righteousness of Christ. So do we. Saul of Tarsus was transformed by the gospel. So have we. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. I trust that I can be of some help to you in the work of the gospel. And if you enjoy the message today, make sure you give me a call or send me an email. You'll get all the details at the close of the program today. We're going to be looking at the timeless Savior, the Lord Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because Jesus is the same, the Bible is the same. The gospel is the same. There is no new gospel, but rather we are called to preach the old. Yes, the old paths wherein is the good way. Stay tuned as we have today a mark moment. The world was in darkness, him, and now our message, Hebrews 13, verse 8, the timeless Savior. May the Lord minister to your heart. You see, there is only one gospel. There is only one plan of salvation for sinners, not two. And the church and every Christian needs to be absolutely sure that we preach the true gospel. Now look in verse 8 at the warning of Paul. He says, But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. No toleration here. No compromise. No yielding. Well, they don't know any better. They're ill-taught. They uh, are just blind. No, there is to be a rejection of the false gospel in defense of the true gospel. Now, how did Paul get the true gospel? Where did he get it from? And he goes on to explain this down in verse 11. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Now, the word after simply means according to man. It was not according to man. I didn't go around taking a poll. What do you believe? What do you believe? What do you believe? and come up with some kind of consensus of what the gospel is. The apostle is adamant, and he says in verse 12, For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And of course, that revelation began when he was converted, when the glory of the Lord shone upon him 
on the road to Damascus. And so we see here that this is vital, absolute, essential Christian doctrine that needs to be contended for. There is only one gospel, and there is only one Christ. And of course, it is He that gave the gospel, who purchased salvation, that we should now preach this good news. Now, the Lord Jesus Himself also warned that in the last days there will false Christs arise, and we are to be on guard. Now, in our present day, you can go to a church, and they will preach the social Jesus. He is the Christ that tells you to be a good neighbor, to try and make this world a better place, to lift things up into a, uh, a friendly manner. Then there's those who preach the historical Jesus. They always seek, they love the language, Jesus of Galilee. Now, I use that too from time to time. It's not wrong. But that's all they know. They never get to the cross. They never get to the sacrifice of Christ. They never tell men that they need to come to the cross for sins forgiven. They only introduce people to the historical Jesus. And then there's the moral Jesus. You can be a better person. You hate yourself. You get depressed and discouraged. You're the kind of person that needs to know your worth, and Jesus can help you to understand your worth. That's the moral Jesus. But there's nothing there about the substitutionary death and the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. And I say again, any preacher that leaves out the doctrine of substitutionary atonement, and especially those who leave out justification by faith alone, they've got another gospel. They have another message, and they're preaching another Jesus. But here in Hebrews 13, we are told that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And as He is the same, all of the gospel message is also a changeless message. Now, how do you put this down uh, in simple words? Well, I made a little note to myself, and I wrote my definition of who to reject and who to accept. Anything that detracts from the full, free offer of Christ to guilty sinners. Anything that limits the atoning work of Christ through His one-time sacrifice, or anything that denies the doctrine of justification by faith alone, I cannot countenance, and I cannot cooperate with. If someone says to me, we're going to have a, an evangelistic campaign, we're going to preach. We want you to be a part of the team, but we won't be preaching these things. Then I cannot be a part of such a ministry. The Bible tells us to come out from among them and to be separate and have no part to when we touch not the unclean thing. 
And so there is a separation, a separation. Hebrews 13, verse 8, is very dogmatic. It doesn't allow us to preach another Jesus. It doesn't allow us to preach another Christ. But we are to be separated unto the gospel. Now, that's the positive side. Would you turn with me to Romans uh, chapter 1 and the very opening verse? Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Now, that's not negative. It's because we love the gospel, and it's because we love the message. We love the souls of men. We want men to hear the true gospel. And to that, we are separated and determined that we will preach that message alone and be, have no part in the false message of false gospels or false Christs. How do you do that in real practical terms? Well, I brought with me tonight my copy of the Westminster Confession of Faith. This, as you can see, is an old book. At least I still have the dust cover on it. And uh, I make quite a lot of references to this. I have marks in it and so on. I've scanned things out of it, photocopied from it, and all kinds of, of things over the years. Now, when I was ordained at the age of 25 in the Free Presbyterian Church in Ulster, a little church called Garva, I was... Uh, laid hands on by the members of the presbytery. It's a solemn undertaking to take ordination to preach the gospel. Before that, I was asked to sign this confession as the confession of my faith. Now, confession does not mean I've done something wrong. Confession means to confess— or to state with solemnity that this is the doctrine that I will preach. As long as I serve in the Free Presbyterian ministry, I am obligated. I have taken a solemn vow before God and before men that I will preach no other gospel than the gospel of Jesus Christ as defined in this doctrinal statement. Now, how thorough is this book? Well, the Westminster Confession of Faith itself is not huge. Uh, there's Bible proofs in here, so numbers of pages uh, is not a help here. But I'll give you the chapters. I'll just give you some of the chapter headings. What kind of things are we talking about? Well, the first chapter is the Holy Scriptures, that this book is the inspired, inerrant, infallible revelation of God. This is a supernatural book. So if you're going to preach in the Free Presbyterian denomination, you need to sign on to the infallibility of the book. Secondly, of God and the Holy Trinity. How do we know God? He's a trinity of persons. Then there is his eternal decree. Nothing happens by chance. God is in control. He will save whom he will save. He will build his church in the fullness of time. 
his eternal decrees. Creation, six days, six literal day creation. There will be no free Presbyterian minister in this pulpit, and I trust in no other free Presbyterian pulpit who says that this world is the product of evolution. Or the halfway position that God took six long periods of time called days somehow. That is theistic evolution, that God was at work, but it took them thousands and millions of years, and they try and merge the idea of Bible teaching with science and the modernist and the evolutionist and so on. So, six-day creation. God's providence, the fall of man, of sin, and the punishment thereof, God's covenant with men, Christ the mediator, free will, effectual calling, justification, adoption, sanctification, saving faith, repentance unto life, good work, the perseverance of the saints, assurance of grace and salvation, the law of God, Christian liberty, religious worship and the Sabbath day, lawful oaths and vows, the civil magistrate, marriage and divorce, the church, communion of saints, sacraments, baptism, the Lord's Supper, church censures, and a few government things on them. The last judgment. Now, why do I do this tonight? Because this is serious business, and we are called to be faithful and to preach the gospel in all its fullness. And the good news is that the gospel doesn't need change. We don't need the newest fad to build a church. We don't need some new modernistic thinking to have the message of God. Believers are included in the same covenant. We're members of the same church. We're washed in the same blood. We sing the same songs in heaven anyway, where it says, Thou art worthy, for Thou hast redeemed us by Thy blood. Abram rejoiced in Christ's day, so do we. Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ, so do we. Isaiah preached the righteousness of Christ, so do we. Saul of Tarsus was transformed by the gospel, so have we. And this gospel is still the power of God unto salvation. And there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Revelation 1 puts it very simply, Christ has the keys. And while Jesus has the keys, why would we seek someone else? Why would we be moved to another gospel? Following in the vein of the sufficiency of the Lord Jesus, he is able to comfort our hearts. He's the sympathizing Savior. And when we go through troubles and trials, we learn that He is with us. The same Jesus who showed up at the home of Martha and Mary in their bereavement and sorrow, the comfort He brought to their hearts, and of course, the resurrection of their brother Lazarus, we worship 
and rejoice in the same Lord Jesus. And he will raise up the dead. He will bring to life those loved ones we have lost. We lay them in the grave for a time, but they too will come forth. He's the same today and forever. He's the same teacher. The men on the road to Emmaus, they received heartburn because Jesus opened to them the Scriptures. Have you not had that heartburn? I know you have. I've heard your testimony of how God has spoken to you through this Word. There have been those times when this Bible came alive and our hearts were rejoicing. The same Jesus speaks through his Word to the hearts of his people. He's the same teacher, and he is the same Savior to save sinners. I don't need some new gospel to go to my neighbor or a lost soul and give them good news. The name of Jesus, Jesus of Calvary, Jesus who now sits at God's right hand, he's the one that sinners need. And we have a great gospel to preach. All his power, all his love, as well as all his grace still flows down to sinners. I read a whole variety of stuff on this Hebrews 13, 8, and there was something I read that sticks in my mind and likens God on a mountain. And out of that mountain flows down the river into the valley, and it winds its way to the sea. Let me ask you, has God's grace stopped flowing? The answer is no. His covenant is the same. His purposes are the same. His love is the same. His mercy is the same. We do well to preach this old gospel that will never, ever fail. And as this text is put in here in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, consider him. Clarence McCartney, who was an American preacher, in his sermon on this text, he gave the example, he said, that in the days of the pioneers, the frontier preachers often had to ride their horses over open rivers, rivers in torrential rains. And as they pointed their horses down into the water, they were in danger of looking down themselves and growing dizzy and falling off the horse. But if the rider looked at some object on the other side of the river, a great oak or a rock or some landmark beyond the shore, and they kept their eyes fixed on that landmark and rode their horse, steering it straight for that mark, it was the secret to a safe arrival on the other side. What are we to do as Christians? Well, we look down, we lose faith and we grow faint. 
But this Hebrews tells us to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher, and he is unchangeable. He's not like the old farmer that was plowing. And when he started off plowing, he had a nice little straight furrow, and then it took a curve that way, and it took a curve the other way. And he was asked, what were you looking at? And it was a wandering cow. It was leading him astray. We as believers are looking to the unchanging, timeless, truthful Savior. And he will lead us to glory. Keep your eyes on him. Never lose sight of your Savior. casting out the demon out of the man's body, even right there in the synagogue in Nazareth. And that evil, unclean spirit cried out, saying, Let us alone! What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. Let's think about the force of the unclean spirit as he was called out of the body of that poor man who was possessed by this evil spirit. The Lord commanded him to come out. We didn't dialogue with the demon. He didn't parley with him. 
but he commanded the devil to come out of the man. There would be no surrender by the demon and no cooperation. He had to obey the word of the Lord. Though he wanted to control this man's life, the Spirit had to surrender the man to the powerful command of the Lord. This is the grace that we have in Almighty, powerful Savior, who is greater than Satan. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Nevertheless, this account tells us that the devil showed his force over the man's body. And when the unclean spirit had torn him, it threw the man into a high state of anxiety and physical convulsions. The spirit manipulated the man's body. For how many years this was done, we don't know. Maybe over a lifetime. This was one last assault of hell within this man's bodily frame. There was the final shriek of departure under duress. A most reluctant spirit rendered submission through a loud or protesting, challenging voice as he shrieked, coming out of the man. Oh, here we learn that Satan obeys reluctantly, unlike converts to Christ who freely leave their sins and go to Christ for rest. Because the devil is never repentant. He's never remorseful. He is never apologetic. The devil is a rebel and continues in his enmity and war against the Lord. But praise God, the Lord Jesus is stronger than even thousands of demons. And we today are on the victor's side. Due to the triumph of our Lord over the powers of hell at the cross of Calvary, we have no fear when the Lord Jesus is near. His name has all authority in heaven, in earth, and in hell. And praise God, one day Satan shall be cast out of this world. He who now seeks to reign as the God of this world shall be cast down to the very fires of hell. And so while we live in the enemy territory today, we walk depending on the blood of Jesus and the Lord's hedge of protection around us. Because as we walk in this world, we are not of this world. We are pilgrims bound for glory. And we are leaning on the everlasting arms, the grace, the victory of Jesus. And let his power deal with the devil. We never pray nor talk with the evil one, but we go to our Savior and we put our trust and plead our case with him. Today, may the Lord bless you and give you the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.l.com. 
tbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music.